listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real-life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, SLPs. Today we're going to be talking about how you can coach teachers to use iconic gestures when reading picture books to help teach new vocabulary words to preschool and early elementary students. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, we know our students with language delays and disorders, identified language disorders, have a lot of times will have um, areas of need with receptive and expressive vocabulary development. And we know that vocabulary and, and being able to use vo- vocabulary words in the academic classroom is very, very important. So if we have students with poor vocabularies, not very strong vocabularies, it is going to impact their ability to follow directions in the classroom, to retell a story, to answer comprehension questions about a story, to describe what is happening um, in a certain problem or, or what is happening, you know, describe certain items. We know vocabulary is very essential for so many skills that relate to academic success. So it's very, very important. Secondly, we know that a lot of our students who have been identified with a language disorder have areas of need with receptive and expressive vocabulary development. And when we, since we know these things, we, we gotta, we want to, obviously in our speech rooms, we are going to plan language rich activities to work on those skills. But at some point, if we want to see generalization happening outside of our speech rooms, we have to start collaborating with the staff or with the parent who is with the child more time than they're with us. Oftentimes, I mean, at best, we may see a kid three to four times a week. Most SLPs see students one to twice, one to two times a week. And, you know, even though we can make a real dent in certain things, if we have a giant caseload or if we have a lot of mixed groups, it can feel like, I don't know if I'm making progress with this student. So we need to start working with some of the other staff members on the child's IEP team to coach them and teach them some strategies that they can do with their whole class or at home. Um, that's going to help the child learn new vocabulary words. And the reason why I want to talk about iconic gestures is one, it's really easy to implement. There's not a lot of prep that has to go into it. So that's, that usually means the teacher may be interested and willing to do it because it's not something that they have to go make something or learn a whole new program. Um, it helps with learning new, new vocabulary words and it creates movement and fun, you know, it's fun to do. The kids like it, so they're going to respond to it. And it's something that we can easily go in and model because there's a lot of time um, to when teachers are reading books or doing activities where iconic gestures would work really well. So first off, what are iconic gestures? 
And they're, it's a fancy, fancy term. So, you know, the next time you're, you're a lawyer's at your IP meeting, just be like, well, an evidence-based practice is using iconic gestures to teach new vocabulary words. You know, you just, you just keep that head knowledge of what an iconic gesture is just for fun. But really, it's, it's a very fancy term for um, using hand and body movements that represent or symbolize the meaning of a word or concept. And you may be thinking right now, well, Felice, I already do that. I am well ahead of the game and I use iconic gestures all the time in therapy. And you know what? Chances are there's probably a lot of teachers who naturally do this as well, or maybe just need to be coached a little bit on how to use this strategy and they can easily infuse it because teachers love a good gesture. I just they love a good gesture or a song, anything to help the kids, right? So you're going to use it in conjunction with the spoken language to reinforce the meaning of the word. So consider it like a visual aid. And it's just another way to help your student make connection to the word and the word meaning. So for example, if we were to use a, an iconic gesture for vocabulary learning, we could point to an object while saying its name, and this can help reinforce the association between the word and the object. This is something that a lot of adults naturally do. We, we have our picture books out and we see a picture of a crab. We're going to touch the crab. Or if someone is scurrying across, uh, we could just point to the item on the picture that's scurrying across the book, right? Um, but then there's also some other iconic gestures that you can do like actions for a certain verb, like eat. You may pretend to pick up an apple and take a bite out of it and chew. So that that's another example of an iconic gesture. If you wanted to show the size or shape of something, you might open up your arms really wide to show huge or big. Whereas with a descriptive gesture, um, for, especially for for an adjective or a verb, you might move your arms back and forth to show running or move your hand quickly across your body to show fast or speedy. Um, and then you can even do, you know, little gestures to show emotions by putting a heart with your fingers to show love. So all of those are examples of iconic gestures for teaching vocabulary. And they're very, very powerful because it aids in comprehension. It gives the child a movement to add to that word. So it, it really becomes something that's, that helps them learn the word. And there is a research article that found this to be true. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. It's, it's titled, Observing Iconic Gestures Enhances Word Learning and Typically Developing Children and Children with Specific Language Impairment. And they implemented this approach with three to four-year-olds. And they whatever word they were working on, they, they paired it with an iconic gesture. And so if they were doing a noun, they would pair a gesture that was related to the noun. So I'm trying like, so for a ball, they would maybe put hands around like for a ball. And then for creeping up behind someone, they might, you know, move their hands like they're tiptoeing. So they would use this while they were 
um, you know, while they were doing stories, play activity, or working on story retail. So this, they found that this benefit typically developing children and those with developmental, uh, developmental language disorder. So what does this tell you? This strategy is perfect for the classroom because our classrooms are filled with um, typically developing children and those that are, that have language disorders. And so, and when do, what do teachers do every day? They, especially the preschool and kindergarten kids, teachers, they read books, right? So this is a perfect time for you to offer to come in and show the teacher, give, give him or her some pointers on how to do iconic gestures. And it's a way that you can, you know, you can front load that teacher for one or two months and then back off of that coaching and be more of a consult model with that specific uh, strategy. And so if you're wondering how to write this in the IEP, you could definitely identify with the team like least restrictive environment, provide different options for what you are going to do. Um, maybe you're, you're going to keep with your weekly 30-minute sessions with your students and then under accommodations, you can do coach, you know, you can write in coach the teacher um, once a month, or you could put in the services if you feel like once a month you are going to go in and do coaching. Um, you know, talk with your school districts to see how this would be best worded, but you really want to remember like whatever you're planning on doing for this child, you want it written into the IEP or services. And that could be in the accommodations section, but let's say you were going to front load the, the coaching process for eight weeks. You could write that service, uh, once a week for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, um, you are going to go into the classroom and implement a, you know, a small group lesson uh, from August to October. And then you write a new service for October to the end of the year that you're a once a month consultation or, or you don't even have to put that, you know, you talk with your, talk with your peeps, your admin peeps, but think about it like that. Think about what would I, what am I doing? And that has to be reflected in the IEP. So let's get back to teaching and coaching our teachers with iconic gestures. So does this sound like something that you could totally get buy-in with the teacher? I think so, because if you if you look at their schedule and find some times when they are reading a book, you can show them how to use that book with their students, and they are going to get a lot of rich vocabulary instruction during that time. So when you're coaching a teacher and in this area, you know, if you have a couple of different strategies that you want to teach them, you you could set a time up with them where you're going to briefly chat about, hey, this student has these vocabulary goals and the research shows that when the child needs at least 36 engagements with a word before they learn it, there's a research article on that. So if you have a language impaired child, it's going it, to, they need a lot of engagements, a lot of exposure to new vocabulary words. I was wondering if you were open to having me coach you and your staff, if it's a self-contained classroom or if there's an assistant on how to use, um, some, some, iconic gestures or some shared book reading strategies 
to help boost vocabulary development. And, you know, at this point, you can show them some choices, you can give them some handouts. Um, and you really want to nail down, okay, one, are you open to having me do this? Yes or no. Um, and then two, if they say yes, then say, hey, when do you read books? And try to come up with a time that you could come in once a week to model and coach them. So during that time, you're really going to want to ask the teacher as well, like, hey, do you want me to just come in and model and then we check in at the end of the activity? Or do you want me to model for a couple of weeks and then let you, you teach, read the book, and then I give you feedback in an email or right after the lesson? Um, you know, ask, come up with your plan. And if your plan is to come in once a week, it needs to be on your schedule and you need to do it. If you cancel on the teachers, they're going to think that you're unreliable. Even though we have tons and tons of stuff going on, when you cancel, they think they don't get that we have 80 kids on our caseload. They just know that you didn't show up, right? So you really want to do that behind the scenes work of establishing your relationship, how you're going to communicate, what is the outcomes, how are people going to discuss with you if they didn't if they had questions or if they didn't like something that you did in the class or whatever, you know, whatever, there needs to be a space for everybody to communicate if they're frustrated or they don't think something's working. Um, and at that point too, maybe you guys are even going to map out what iconic gestures they could do for different books, or maybe that's part of the coaching model. She, the teacher is going to give you a list of some of the books that they're going to be using for the next few weeks, and you're going to give them a list of iconic gestures that they could pair with some of the items from the book if they're running into rope. Um, we have to remember that as much as it sounds very easy, like here's a handout on iconic gestures, I'm going to come in one time and model it for you, and then I'll talk to you later, and you can take it from there. Um the best approach, if you think about how we learn, and if you think about how kids learn, um, we have to do, right? And we do better when we have a coach giving us feedback or checking in with us. Um, and so if you don't keep your teachers accountable on some of these things, they're not going to do it. But they're also not going to do, do the strategies you're asking them if they don't if they're not, if they don't feel like you're supporting them as well. So you want to get in there and encourage them that they can do these, these strategies. And so if you're thinking about using iconic gestures, pick the time when they do a picture book reading, or you could even come in at language arts time, because usually they will read a text from their curriculum. And then a lot of time, what I remember from my elementary years is in the afternoon or at circle time or at a certain time of the day, the teacher always read a fun book. So that's another good time. Um, or just think about like go through the schedule with them and see is there a time where they do interactive play where the teacher could model some iconic gestures or is there a cool science experiment time that they that they could model some iconic gestures. So you can think outside the box, but the easiest way to go is pick the picture book time <laughs> and start small. Maybe you're just going to come in once a month. You don't have to do it every week. Um, but the more consistent you are and following through with what you're going to do, 
the more the teacher ex- is, is going to be held accountable to do it. And they're also going to feel supported and be motivated to do it. And so another thing that you could do before implementing this approach, this iconic gestures, is even take some pre-test baseline data on your student and knowing which words they're going to be, the teacher's going to be implementing and just have them define those words or point to those words and see if they can. And then, you know, after a few weeks of therapy and of the teacher implementing this approach, you could take some post-test data. Um, Before I close out this episode, consider this a way to also do some RTI before a child even gets placed into, you know, consideration for a speech or language assessment or a full team assessment. We need to come up with some RTI strategies that teachers can start implementing with their class. And these are little, this iconic gestures is something that they don't have to prep a darn thing. And this could be something that you bring to the table when you hear concerns of vocabulary development with your preschool and kindergarten teachers. And I feel like this is a strategy that is, it's, it's a bite-sized, bite-sized thing that they could do that they may start to see some real results. And if they see that from you and what you've provided for them, then they may be open to future strategies uh, for their classrooms. And that's really, sometimes I hate to say it, but that's, that's the biggest roadblock is getting the family or the IEP team member on board with trying something new or something that's outside of their routine because either they don't believe in it or it's too hard, or they're not sure how to balance, get it, you know, get started with it, or they just are juggling a lot on their plate and it's just one more thing for them to do. So when we can break down some of these strategies for our teachers and give them some of that support, it's going to help you in the long run. Because if you are getting, um, let's say from a particular teacher, you're getting 10 referrals from their class and you're going, okay, well, statistically, special education percentages, we should only be qualifying around 10%. And they're they're sending me a ton of kids. That's a good light bulb moment that they need some help with some RTI strategies before they start recommending a bunch of kids to see if it's helping the child stay in the least restrictive environment. Um, and And if they are on IEP, getting more team members involved with the student's goals is going to help our students get the skills they need so that they can graduate and continue to be in the least restrictive environment. So I hope that this was helpful. If you have any questions about collaborative services or implementing a coaching model, I am going to link some of the previous podcast episodes that I've had um, about this topic. Uh, I've had a few guests that talk about doing a coaching model with parents, but a lot of the tips and strategies really can be carried over to OTs, to teacher instructional aides, to teachers in the classroom. So if you're interested in more of those, just head to the show notes and you can um, click on those to listen to those in your car. So if you ever have a question about collaborative services, that's something I love to talk about. You can reach out to me, Felice Clark at thedabblingspeechy.com or send me a DM 
at the dabbling speech speechy on social media and i will help get you the information that you need because i'm so passionate about collaborative services i know how hard it is because there really isn't a manual on how to do it or what to do in certain situations so it's something that is an ever-growing process and, and, it, and it requires support from each other to come up with solutions on how we can serve our students well. So as always, SLPs, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and I will talk with you next week.